Welcome back to the show. Um, fantastic to have everyone back here again. Um, and this week, super excited to be sitting down with Anthony from McGuinness Racing, host and organiser of Beat the Beast that we did a podcast on a couple of weeks ago. Anthony, great to meet you, mate. Thanks for coming on to the show. No, likewise. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, one of the things that was kind of obvious as we, I guess, as I got to watch you interact with a bunch of the players um, through that Beat the Beast a couple of weeks ago, you've obviously been around for a while, a um, bit of an old hat at Zed. So tell us about how you got into Zed. When, when did you start playing the game? Yeah, not as old as some, but I've been around a while, I suppose. I think it was um, sort of June, July 2021. So I think, um, like a lot of Aussies, um, Hamish and Andy podcast, a, a bunch of uh, Aussie comedy, uh, an Aussie comedy pair. Um, that's where I first heard about it, um, looked into it, and that was right about the time of the, the million-dollar drop as well when Zed was giving away stacks of Butte Genesis. And um, so I thought, hey, that could be a fun way to, to get involved. I signed up, and like everyone else, got the email which said, hey, you've won a horse, and I thought I was in, um, but unfortunately I wasn't. <laughs> like like most people, I missed out. But I think you know it worked from like a you know from a marketing perspective. I think the the thought of having a horse was was too much. So I I dived in and bought a horse, and it was a donkey. And you know the the rest is history. The rest um, is so, history. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe Zed should take some guerrilla marketing techniques from from old Zed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't know how I, I don't know how many people fell for it, but um, I'm sure it was accidental. But you know, it was almost that that thrill of thinking I had one. Um, you know, I was then in. Interestingly enough, and it might be worth just for those uh, who are listening that that weren't around back then. And this was before my time, before I started playing. But I have heard this story a bunch of times. Why don't you tell everyone exactly what what happened and what went down with that with that email? <laughs> Yeah, so you know they they decided I think you know as a, as a marketing tool as a way to get a whole bunch of new users in that they'd give away a million dollars worth of um, Butte Genesis horses. Um, I think all you had to do was sort of set up a stable and and sort of off you go, and um, then everyone was awaiting the the big date when you'd find out whether you'd get a you know a free Jenny or not. And unfortunately, the intern at Zed or you know whoever it was um, accidentally sent the Hey, you've successfully, you know, you've won a horse to every single person, and so, um, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine, that caused a, a bunch of uproar and discontent in the community as everyone realised they didn't actually win a Genesis. So, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite a wild ride. I'm sure Twitter was calm and measured. <laughs> oh, as as, as, as Twitter always is. <laughs> <laughs> as said, Twitter always is. That's true. So. Interestingly enough, um, times have evolved. Um, Zed seems to be making less of those types of issues um, than what they were 12, 18 months ago. They seem to be quite common. Um, that seems to be a lot more uh, quality execution coming out of a team these days, which is wonderful to see. No, absolutely. I think the other thing that's changed so much from back then is that the quality of the communications. I mean, you can... Um... You know, they're far from perfect. No one is. But, um, you know, the, the engagement that you get from Facundo, from Ryan, from, from all of them, um, and, and the responsiveness that we're seeing in some of the, the changes to different conditional bands, to different types of races, um, you know, I think that they're, 
they're really on a bit of a roll and you know I, you know i think they're they're, they're as responsive uh, as ever and and you know less of those um less mistakes than than you know we saw in the early days absolutely yeah yeah definitely um i'd be fascinated to talk to you know someone in ops at zed i'd be really interested to understand what metrics they track um to get all their data like I know BG talks about and publishes that fantastic data set, you know, new stables, races, paid races, all that kind of stuff. But I'd be fascinated to understand what Zed are tracking internally in the team. Um, yeah. You know, and how they're it using certainly sounds data. like, um, yeah, it certainly sounds like Ryan's got, um, you know, a pretty strong sort of data background or interest in the data. I think it was you know, a couple of weeks ago, he went on to the arbitrage podcast and, um, you know, certainly, yep sounded as though you know he was speaking from you know from you know the basis of pretty strong evidence and data and all the rest of it so yeah i mean and, and even in recent days i've seen him posting a bunch of charts which you know are obviously from some sort of internal system they have tracking race volume and total e spend and, and all those sorts of things so, yeah, it's a data-driven business basically yeah yeah ho- hopefully um and that's i guess must be the data that they they're terrified of the potential of my stable, so that's why I get the auto nerf um, on all my horses, no doubt. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, in in the stable, and how how many horses are you are you hanging on to? Like, how many horses are in the paddock, and how many of those let's actually have, let's see the track? Let's have, let's have a look. Of course, I do have Z open in one of my tabs. Always do. There you, even three hundred. There you go. Um, too many. Yeah. So um, I, I don't sell a lot. Um, I certainly do sell, but I don't sell to the bots or, you know, you know, at ridiculous prices. But if, even I think it was last night I got an offer of 0.06 on a, on a horse that I raced occasionally. And, you know, that's $100 US. So, um, you know, I thought I could use that and, and reinvest into some breeding. So, you know, I might make a sale even in this market you know yep. once a week or once every two weeks or something like that but but generally speaking i'm holding on to them so. do you get an offer and then stop and go hang on what have i missed <laughs> if you get an offer on a horse <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah i sat on that that particular offer for, for probably about 12 hours because it came out of the blue um it wasn't yep. even a horse that was listed um you know normally it's a horse that's listed and you know you get a you get an offer well below ask but, you know, it, it came out of nowhere. And I'd, I, it was a horse that was sitting idle in my stable for, for months and months. Um, and every now and then, you know, maybe on a, on a Friday night, I'm like, oh, let's, let's dust this horse off and see what it's got because I'm sure there's, there's heaps in there that I've just written off too early um, and discover that it's actually a, a pretty decent double-up horse um, in C3. Yeah. Um, so it just started entering in it. And it's, it's, I think it was getting a, it was something like 70% double-up rate in six-horse double-ups. Um, but I just didn't have the, the patience to sit there and enter $2.50 double ups all day, every day with the amount of horses I have. So I got, I got the 0.06 offer. I, I sort of mulled on it for a bit. I actually counted for a couple of hours. Um, and then went, nah, look, just, just take it and run. You know, no, it. it's not often you, 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 you get a hundred dollars for a horse in the, you know, that you hadn't been racing in this current market. So yeah. this is true. I, um, yeah. I sold a horse this week for the first time in ages um one of my listings and i had that oh someone bought it and it was like a 0.01 um 
but it was like a Z30 odd Buterin or something. Um, and so I was like, wow, someone actually paid that for it. And then I turn around and I see they're like, they're hitting one V1s with it. And I'm like, oh, what have I missed? What have I done? Yeah. But yeah, uh, no, they're in there. I had a, I had a horse I, in my stable. Um, actually, last night um, that I decided to race for the first time, so it was sitting listed for, for probably months at 0.03 or something like that. I decided to give it a run, and now it's it's winning five dollar non conditionals because it's a 1.0 breed. Um, yep. Five dollar C2 marathon races. Um, you know, so oh, wow. I, I just hadn't basically hadn't raced it in, in 2.0, and um, I quickly delisted that. Um, so. They're out there sitting on on Hawkey. There's absolute bargains, including you know, probably those in my own stable that I'm just that are sitting there gathering dust. Well, I probably shouldn't do this, but I just checked that horse, and uh, he's actually squared breaking even with it on one v one. So, yeah. well played, well played to that person. Um, I don't know. What do you think of the one v ones? And I, I. I was lamenting earlier that maybe there should be a switch, like a, you know, like an Alcoholics Anonymous car setting that you can't, <laughs> you've got to blow that. into the thing. Like I need a switch yep. in Z that yeah. removes all access to one V ones. Um, yeah, I found myself look, doing I, some crazy stuff today. Yeah, look, I don't think my my experience. Um, you know, I'm not alone in my experience. In the first couple of days, I was just loving it. Um, I was like, this is the new meta, you know, this is what you should be doing on a Friday and Saturday night. You know, the, the thrill of, you know, 15, 25, even $50 buy-ins. It's, it's yeah. just pure degen um, fun. Um, but of course it only took a couple of days for people to work them out. Um, and, you know, it took me probably a bit longer than that. So I ended up losing a, you know, my, basically my entire bankroll entering, you know, variance horses or, you know, you know, horses with too much variance. Um, and you know, now, you know, you just see the same horses sitting in them all day, every day. And, and they've, they've yep. certainly lost a, a bit of that fun. Uh, cause I'm just, I'm not going to go in them anymore. So I think they've got utility. Uh, I think that, you know, for me, it's sort of a bit of fun with maybe some mates or Z mates, you know, where you can throw them in and sort of have bragging rights, um, you know, grudge matches, if you will. Um, but pretty rare that I'll go in them just open slather now because you know people have worked them out and yeah, but my, my stable's pretty variance heavy um so yep. I, I just don't have the, the the stable to to compete with those that are just absolutely raking it in yeah it's interesting isn't it because there's the early days of the 2.0 racing meta and you know a lot of people still are talking about variance but um there's certainly a path now for stability horses as well which is which is pretty exciting um, that that's just part of the fun of the game to figure that out and see how far how far it goes. So, with your all your glue or non currently raced horses, um, do you have a strategy for them? Do you have a plan for those horses? Like, how do you go about planning for them, or they just just chuck them in the back of the stable and see what happens later? Yeah, but yeah, they just sit there. You know, every now and then, even even last night, um, Spood ran a a little Z resurrection tawny with C5 horses from, you know, 100 to 150 that provided a chance to, to dust a few off, but largely speaking, they're just sitting there doing nothing and gathering dust. You know, maybe eventually there'll be something I'd say they probably won't be, um, you know, just put them yeah. down as a sunk cost as, as failed breeds. And, you know, I don't, don't have Not every horse can them, be a but, winner. You know, 
no, that's it. That's it. I mean, back in the back in the you know, particularly breeding two point I was I was breeding everything. Um, you know, I was um, I was loving it. I was throwing stuff together, and you know that produces a lot of donkeys. So you know, they're they're sitting there doing doing not a whole lot, and I think that'll continue to be the case. But you know, there's no reason to sell them for four dollars either. That's true. It'd just be nice to have like to leverage that one v one format and have a um, like a challenge, a challenge match. Where I could I could ping you and go, hey, I want I'm going to take this horse on, yeah, and one v one, and you don't you can't get Absolutely. sniped or whatever. You can, yeah, and two people can. And I mean, you know, that'd be good for the yeah. streamers, all sorts of things, right? Yeah, and the and the other thing that that we hear is coming soon in, in the announcement from the other day, yeah, the you know the conditional bands, um, you know, all the way through classes. So you know that's going to provide you know utility to a bunch of horses. You know, obviously currently the the sort of 400 to 425 type bands are there. Um, but to, to have something that allows people to continue to progress through, I think will will add some utility and probably mean that some of those horses might find a bit of value. And, you know, if you've got a, you know, a 430 or a 330 or something like that, it's, it's nearly useless at the moment. There's no way that, you know, yep. the majority of level 430 horses can race against level 500 horses. So, you know, who knows, might find some gems once we can run some of those tighter conditional bands. Yeah, and hoping so, like, because I haven't, I don't have the time or the inclination to just grind up horses. So I've got some good, like, I've got some good 440s, that sort of mid-tier as well. Um, And the interesting thing, like, I've noticed there is a lot of leveled-out horses in each class. Like people are just jamming up to 400, 500 and, and there's not a lot of people um, leveling up into the next class. It's one of the things I think yeah. down the down the line we sort of still need to work on. Um, but I've got a horse that's capped that I want to level up, but it's just capped, can't go because of its Evo. So, um, yeah, interesting. What do you do? You just keep grinding out double ups. <laughs> That's it. That's it. No, I, I'm not in that scenario. But, um, actually, I do have a level 500 that I think is capped out, but I've got no interest in pumping it up into into C1. Um, but yeah, I think you know the the group of horses that will be there at that max level just continues to grow as well. So you know mm-hmm. that means what might be dominating now, you know, it's it's operating on borrowed time. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Speaking of time, though, and like we we hear a lot about, you know, the aging's coming, and apparently with aging coming, there is going to be faster progression through the levels as well, which would be nice. But it sort of leads me to that question I've asked a few people: like, when you sort of acquire a horse or you breed a horse, like, what's the useful lifespan of that horse? Is it something that should run? I don't know. Two thousand races, three thousand races. Um, I'm just kind of curious to get everyone's take. Like, yeah, three thousand races seems yeah, like I, a, lot, a lot of racing. It does, it does, and you know, my suspicion is that whatever they come out with in terms of aging will probably be pretty generous initially. Um, you know, probably too generous. Uh, you know, I certainly think that that's the case with stamina, um, even yeah. with with the recent you know, adjustment They're you know, they're, they're obviously and, and probably quite sensibly careful about what not wanting to absolutely nerf the, the value of horses. But 
I think it's it's pretty clear that the vision that they've outlined is one with shorter lifespans. And you know, you know, I think Pacundo said that he wants to make it a breeding game, not a racing game. At one point, that gives you a pretty clear indication of of a pretty short lifespan for a horse. So maybe it's a a couple of months or, or something like mm. that, whatever that adds up to, you know, that's probably about a thousand races, depending on how hard you hit it. Um, I think it also obviously depends on the, the type of horse. You know, I think that, you know, I've got a horse at the moment that that's going really well, a 3.0 breed um, that's winning, you know, I think at 20, 25% in C2 uh, in those, you know, uh, 3.0 races, but it's only winning by the tightest of margins. And so I'm just thinking mm-hmm. like, it's not going to be long before that horse is, is lapped, I suspect. Um, yep. But there are some other horses, particularly those with, with old school variants that, you know, their lifespan is going to, going to be a lot, you know, a lot bigger um, just because, you know, when they get that role, I don't care what happens, they're going to win. Um, so, you know, there's that, that element of as, we as the win pool or, grows. That, or lose by five seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, you know, there is going to be, a lifespan that is uh, that is set in terms of aging, but then there's also yep. a lifespan as the pool of horses continues to grow and and they just become less competitive. So, yeah. yeah, it's it'll be something worth watching. I think like there's a I don't see a day where I never want to see Artois run again, like and die. I guess it's it's. A bit wild, like I don't know if we have Legends tournaments or Masters Cups or, or whatever. Um, I know Fukuno was talking about like you, you would just run once a month from the stamina, like the stamina will get worse and worse and worse or something. He was he said a yeah. few a few months ago. Um, but I can't, I, you know, a Legends Cup I think is, is something that would have a lot of value in 12 or 18 months' time, right? Like, yeah. And look, I, you know, in concept, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I quite like, you know, that vision that they've outlined where, you know, that horse will always continue to run. Um, you know, once a month seems a bit silly. Um, you know, surely they, you, know, you can give those best, sure. those best horses a race, you know, once every, you know, once a day or something like that. And you're only going to see those horses in, you know, in a $500 buy-in or, or something like that anyway, if, if that's the case. So, but just freeing up those two dollar fifty and the five dollars and, and what you know those sorts of races for, for new horses, it's um, I, th- I think it's necessary. We'll just have to see how how hard they go in terms of turning up the dial. Hmm. So when we start to think about like racing across your stable, uh, your stable, like what what is the strategy that you apply to racing? Like how do you go about like you mentioned the stables variance heavy. So if you talk me through, I guess the process of racing strategically? How do you gain your edge? Um, any tools that you use to kind of, and how do you leverage them, those kind of things? Yeah, the, the only tool that, that I subscribe to and pay for is uh, Stacknax Pro. Um, so, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll, I won't resubscribe at the end of my period and then, you know, within a couple of days, uh, you know, I want it back, even if though, even though I don't think I use it a whole lot, you know, I think it's just the, you know, the safety blanket of, of having it blanket. there. Um, because, because most of my paid runners are variance horses, I actually pay very little attention to, to the fields that I go in and, and, and maybe that's a mistake, but it, it kind of just comes down to, you know, the role that they get. Um, so at any point in time, you know, I've just mentally got in my head, 
my roster of, of paid racers, you know, and that's generally C4 and up. Um, I only really dust off C5 and C6 horses, you know, for tournaments when they existed. So I, you know, I'll just go in when I've got, when I've got a bit of time and just throw them all into races basically, and then sit back and watch them over the course of the next couple of hours. So, um, you know, there, there's obviously a bit, a lot more strategy that goes into breeding and discovery as you've got a new horse. But once you know that horse, um, and then you tend to know the horses that you're, you're racing against. Um, you know, if I, you know, I've got a bunch of horses running C2 marathons, I, you know, I know who I'm up against all the time or, you know, I have a lot of mid runners. So, you know, I go in and, you know, I see shadow for days in there. And, okay. I'll skip that one. Um, so, you know, it's about probably just avoiding a few horses and, and otherwise, just throwing them in. Um, most of them, my, my favourite format at the, at the moment are probably top two payout six horse races. You know they're, um, you know they're pretty good for variance horses. You know occasionally you need to go a bit more towards the winner takes all if for those real extreme sort of U shapes to make sure you get the ROI. But generally speaking, that's my that's my bread and butter. Um, only in the the last couple of weeks as a result of a few um, recent breeds in, in 3.0 I've got a, finally got a few double up horses it's literally taking me probably you know 18 months to actually hit genuine double up horses that you can just sort of throw in endlessly so that's been a new a new thing to discover and have a bit of fun with um, but as I said with those variance horses avoid a few and and grind away yep. yeah it's a bit of a sad state at the moment um like I've got a couple of really strong variance horses that I do something very similar. There's a couple of there's a couple of horses you just stay away from. Um, there's a horse called Great or Useless. Um, yeah, it's not useless. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty clear which which side of the role that got. Um, but I just stay away from them and then kind of get and get running. But that idea or that fact that it's always the same horses, like this is the one thing I'm kind of looking to see change um, with, and I guess with volume, right? Like I know BG yeah. posted in Twitter today and for when this comes out, this is the 17th of March, 18th of March. Um, BG posted about a microsite in Zed that has been published. I don't know if you saw that. And he's like, oh, is there a marketing push coming? But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I've heard from a little birdie. It is. It is coming, and it's coming pretty soon. So you know, um, and and that is, um, I think, sort of towards the end of this this month. You know, we're likely to see a bit of a marketing push. Um, and I think in response to BG's thread there, I think even it was Ryan of Facundo's came out and said that that is a a micro site that's largely there for I think um, search engine optimization and you know making sure when people throw into Google you know searches that that it comes up. So. Yeah, I think that's that is a sign that we're pretty close to, to a push, and hopefully with that comes some some volume. Mind you, what they've done in terms of you know the different conditional bands, the different race formats. I am racing different horses now than I was a couple of months ago. You know, um, you know the three only horses. You know, you know I'm not recognising a lot of the horses in those races. Um, so it's it's a hell of a lot better than than it was a couple of months ago. I'll, I'll give them that, but you know. Absolutely, that's the goal. More, more users, more volume, diluted food fields, which will come with with yeah. aging as well. You know, that's bring it What's on. What's the horizon 
what's a good horizon for you? Do you think like I know we we see the game change. Um, I tend to think it changes a little too quickly at times. Or maybe they, I know they're trying to walk a very just a fine line between responsiveness and you know to to use a word stability on the platform. Um, and that you know like from a software development perspective, I'm, I reckon they like their roadmaps, maybe an 18 month thing, but I don't know. What, what's a good horizon for, for you? Do you think to be? Yeah, I think that they've, they've been working on a horizon, which, which is nearly coming to an end. Um, and, you know, we've seen the progressive delivery of features, I think building up to, and probably finishing with, with aging, um, which has really been, you know, that, that first horizon, that um, that vision that, that Facundo, you know, set out, you know, probably six or nine months ago. So it'd be interesting to see what what comes after that, because um, I, I think it, it's possible to to have that view of of that horizon, which is you know probably pretty close to being realised, while also being responsive in smaller ways to to feedback and things that aren't quite working as intended. Um, I think one of the, you know, a great example of that just in the, the last sort of 24, 48 hours was the addition of the um, the additional band at the top of C1. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've now got the 576 to, to 600, 600 yeah. whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I had a bit of, you know, it's pretty rare that I do this, but I had a bit of a vent on, on, on Twitter when I had a horse upgrade to, to five yeah, seventy six and yeah, and it was just like oh well, off off to you know basically retire that horse now. Um, there's no way you can compete against the the six tens and um, those other horses that are up there, and that actually generated a lot of a lot of um, a lot of feedback, a lot of replies, and then I'm sure it wasn't because of that that um, that particular tweet, but you know within a couple of days of that, we see that new band, um, which which is which is which is going well. Um, the the volume in that band is, is good. And, you know, whilst you might, you might think, Oh, what's the point? There's only, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 horses, 600 plus, it makes a huge difference, you know, Mm. in terms of your willingness to enter a race without those absolute beasts in there, you know, if there's three, four or five of them, don't bother. Um, Whereas now I've got a reason to race my 576 because I can, you know, even if it's slightly negative ROI, for the next five or ten levels, I've got another lifespan in that horse to um, to, to to work towards as it gets yep. to the top of that band. So, you know, it's it's really great to see them respond quickly with you know what are probably minor tweaks and you know um, adding a new band, um, you know, y- using the open class tab in in different ways, which is a bit different to like bigger horizons in terms of like metas. But I think we're pretty close to the end of that one, and what comes after that? Let's see. Yeah, let's see indeed. Hopefully, the um, the marketing push brings a lot of people on, and um, they have good experiences. So I have this. Yeah. Um, you know, I have this re- this recurring nightmare. I guess that we get a lot of people, and everyone just starts selling them all their glue for ridiculously high prices. Yeah. Um, and and scares them away because that that's probably going to happen, but we'll see. We shall yeah. see. We we have, we have lending now, so you know. Hopefully, the onboarding process is go and lend a few horses. 
Yeah, well, um, yeah, I can't remember what, why I did it, but um, I went through the process of setting up a new stable, of, I think it was about a month ago. Um, and before you can actually do anything, there's now this like onboarding flow where yeah. it takes you through steps. And the first thing you actually have to do in creating a new stable is borrow a horse and enter it into like five races before you then actually get the full functionality. So I think, you know, obviously that's part of that, that, that horizon, that, that vision is, is an improved onboarding experience, borrow some horses, you know, get a feel for it before, you know, as we probably did, you know, spending way too much money on a, so it's not on a donkey butte <laughs> legendary. Um, so yeah. Um, hopefully most people will, will, will go into lending or, you know, I hope, be encouraged to to buy a UUU or you know you know some you know breeder horse or you know because I, you know I think one thing 3.0 has done is really like leveled the playing field and um, yep. just giving people that thrill of unwrapping a horse entering into a griffin being part of a maiden you know that's the sort of onboarding experience we want to we want to give not just buying some overpriced horse racing it a couple of times and and leaving yeah, I agree. It, particularly, as you say, the the idea of unwrapping a horse, that is the most exciting thing in Zed, hands down, um, every single time. Um, having said that, um, are you preparing for next week's Maiden or are you? how are you preparing is probably a better, better way to ask that question um, for next week's Maiden. Have you got a few foals lined up, ready to go, or a couple of breeds you, you're preparing? Yeah, still... Still working out who to breed. I'll definitely be breeding. Um, I'm addicted to, to breeding. So um, I've got a bit of a spreadsheet with my, in particular, my jennies. That's, that's one thing that, um, that that I've found, at least personally, is um, whereas in previous breeding algos, you know, I was breeding, you know, some really high quality exclusive and, and legendaries and getting good outputs and it's just not producing the the quality that, that I want. So... For me now, it's more about understanding which of my jennies are, are available, who do I want to match them up with. And I actually have quite a few resets available for this breed, so uh, for, this, for this maiden, I should say. So if anything, it's working out how much I actually want to spend rather than what within my stable I, I want to breed because there's plenty there I could do with. So um, I'll probably end up with maybe somewhere between six and, and eight horses, I expect. Uh, I've gone into previous maidens with that sort of number. And generally come out of that maiden getting pretty close to my breed cost back just on, on the maiden prize pools and then, you know, the rest is gravy in terms of producing some, some paid races that yep. that will continue to produce for me. So, yeah, Have, haven't done it yet, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll have a, a decent little field ready and to go will for, you be, for the next maiden. Will you be breeding for both both funnels or will you be breeding for the, for the VAR funnel only? I think they'll they'll largely be um, there. Um, so, just having a look at the stallions I've got available, two of my Jenny stallions are variance horses. So, um, you know, if if I'm breeding with them, then I'll almost certainly go for the winner takes all funnel. Um, I do have one. It's a bit of a donkey. I don't breed with it often, but I have um, I have produced one or two decent double ups out of him. So um, I might might have an experiment with with that stallion that i normally don't breed with and and use that to, to have a run at the the 1v1 because it'll be a bit of fun as well i want to i want something in those 1v1 maiden finals that'll be a blast 
It would be a blast, wouldn't it? So you mentioned before, uh, Anthony, you're very, very keen on breeding. Um, Sounds, just from talking to you about this, it sounds like Zed is a breeding game for you um, versus, versus a racing game. So talk us through, I guess, how do you go about strategizing for your next breed? Um, like how do you approach the selection of the horses that you want to do and what are you trying to get from an outcome? Like how specific do you get to a distance, to a format? Like are you, are you that targeted? Um, and, and tell us about your process that you go through. Yeah, so, so generally it's a maiden that will trigger the, the itch to, to breed. Um, and obviously there's, there's an incentive there to, to target those, those prize pools and, and get your breed fees back. So, you know, once that maiden's upcoming, it's about having a look at, at, at who's available. You know, in previous iterations, it was about my best horses. Um, whereas mm-hmm. now, as I said, it's more about which of my jennies are, are available and, and who match up well with, with those. So if I've got a, if I've got a variance jenny and I've got a few of those, then it's about matching them with, a fellow variance um, horse. So, you know, I haven't had a lot of luck and, and don't really advocate to, to breed a variance horse with a stability horse. I think you just end up producing horses that live in the middle and, and can't do either. Um, and I, I am generally looking for matching DP as well. Occasionally I might take like a 1600 meter horse and, and breed it into a thousand meter horse, trying to target like a 12, 1400 meter, you know, something that splits a difference. But generally speaking, I'm, I'm matching um, variance with distance preference and then hoping for a good roll. And, and that's about it. So, you know, I'll take that Jenny and then sort of work my way down. If I've got another Jenny that matches it, great, particularly in the current meta. I'm therefore producing a legendary and they're coming out with really high levels and, and I've had pretty good results. If I don't have a Jenny that matches, I'll, I'll try to find a legendary. If I don't have that, I'll produce an exclusive. And and I typically, I, I won't go below that now. So, you know, I've got a bunch mm-hmm. of really nice elites and crosses and I don't even bother with them now. I probably could and, and maybe play around in C4 or C5, wherever they land. But um, I find the, the breeding cost at the moment, they're a bit out of whack. Um, they probably don't step down enough for my liking to really incentivize breeding with exclusives and, and below. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of it in a, in a nutshell. And then you're just praying to the Z gods for a good role. <laughs> like every other day. Um, it's kind of interesting, right? The, you touch on the breed fee for breeding below exclusive. Because you are down four, five, and six in the classes, and particularly if you're getting the class five and class six, um, <clears throat> like it'd be interesting to see that breeding fee step down a, a moment. You know, like sure, if you were going to breed a class six horse, if it was a five or a ten dollar breed, class six would probably be stacked because it'd still be a lot of fun. Like, yeah, you could, you know, that's where you could start to just mash horses together for fun five or ten bucks but as you say like i i try and breed out some uh legendary or use i've got a couple of legendary stallions knacker legendaries so there's no just smashing those things together randomly like at those prices it's a very carefully considered (laughs) and rare event (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I'm toying with the idea this this maiden of using uh, my NACA exclusive stallion insane shot, which is one of the ones that just leveled up into five seven six. Yeah. Um, so you know his starting level is, is five thirty or something like that. Um, so he's obviously he's got good marathon DP. He's got good variants. I'm just so reluctant to pull the trigger at at the price for a NACA exclusive, knowing that I'm producing an elite and where's it going to land? Um, yeah, I just feel that they're a little, you know, they, they, they were a step in the right direction when they when they revised those breeding fees. But um, yeah, I think we really need to see a bit more of a step down as you progress down the, the breed types to, to really make it worth our while. Yeah, I've always found like particularly the NACA, once you get below like the exclusives and below, like I've got, a NACA exclusive I would have liked to have breed a lot more with because it's got a lot of variants. Um, but it's it's like 180 bucks a go or something. Aussie dollars. Yep. It's uh, it's not something you would uh, attend to frivolously, um, to, to say yeah. that. Um, especially like when you want to do, you know, a variance on variance experiment because I've got a, a 97 and this one's a 94 variance. Um, and I've had one go with them in 3.0 already and it didn't really hit because I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a monster variance horse if it comes out. And it's like, well, how many, how many goes do you have? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, a sample size of one probably isn't enough, but nope. you know, at, at that cost as well, um, you know, it's, it's a tough choice. So. Yeah, I mean, m- most of the horses that I've had success with in, in 3.0, as I said, have at least had one Jenny in there in the mix uh so you know and, and you certainly get the boost in terms of starting level from from using the, the jenny so. so it's interesting right so when you talk about the breeding element so you're looking at two starting level horses and how then do you i guess infer from the level of the foal did it pick up the dp did it pick up the variance like, is that something you think you can tell from that starting level? And, and how do you sort of think about that when you look at that starting level of that horse? Um, to be honest, I probably don't infer a lot from the starting level. Uh, for me, then, it's just a, a process of discovery. Um, and I like to think I, I've got a pretty good grasp of things to get a, a good read on those horses pretty quickly. Obviously, through my, my story earlier, I don't always get it right when I shelve horses too early and and leave behind some some quality horses but um you know i think i I don't give up on a horse too quickly with it with a low starting level because it's pretty clear that variance is not weighted as much as maybe it could be or or should be uh so you know if i if i don't get a great starting level okay that's that's interesting I, i i threw two pretty good horses together here Maybe I just got a really bad role, or maybe it's got a heap of variance, not much BA, and therefore this could be a really nice variance mm-hmm. horse. I know always was, always will be, is my my star variance horse. It's literally top ten speed in the game at its distance in C four. Um, you know, when it kicks, it wins by four seconds in sprints. Um yep. but um so, you know, obviously variance played no role in its starting level down in C4 when it can win in C1. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's more about discovery. And I'm certainly not as scientific as some when it comes to trying to 
predict starting level from two breeds. I know that Blood Tool and I think even Zedge um, gives an estimate of where it might land. Um, yep. I'd see some value in that, but for me, it's more about trying to get the right breed and then just praying and seeing what happens when I run that griff and hoping for something towards the top of a class. <laughs> so you mentioned then like your discovery process. How how many races does it take for you to discover a horse and to be comfortable with it? Um, more than what I normally give a horse, I'd say. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go pretty quickly into paids. Um, yep. For me, I'm, I'm looking for, for paid races, um, you know, particularly in this meadow with, without free tournaments. Um, so, you know, I'm hunting the flame uh, in terms of DP. Um, so, you know, I'm obviously, I've got an idea of where I think the DP will hit um, based on the parents. So I want to really quickly understand what the, what the distance preference is. Um, and then you'll get a pretty good read in the first 10 races, I think, um, whether it's got variance or is a stability horse as well. So if you're, if you're flaming and coming last a lot, then, you know, I'm loving, I love seeing that in my first couple of races. Um, you know, you've picked up some there, you've got the flame, which means you've got the potential to, to place high and you've probably also got the DP right and just keep smashing it, throw it into paids pretty quickly, see if it can, if it can cut it. Um, I find that, you know, if it's not flaming um, where you think it should be, you know, target some six horse freeze um, because you can pick up, you know, a pretty good clue around distance preference there. Maybe then step up to 12 horse freeze. Um, even though, even though, you know, they're free, um, it's not simple to flame in those 12 horse freeze. Uh, yep. So, you know, that's another indicator that you're getting closer to, to finding what you need to find out, uh, then throw it in paids and, and see if it can, see if it can hold. Yeah. So, Talk about then the difference, I guess, from flaming in six horse to flaming in twelve horse. Like, oh, it's a massive do difference. flames uh, do flames matter in six horses at all? Like, is it not still lot, important? No. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a data point. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, it tells you you may be on the right track, but it's certainly not telling you it's a good horse. Um, you know. There's a lot of horses that will, will get those flames in six horse races because they finish third and second a lot. Uh, and that just won't translate to paid. It won't translate to, to 12 horse. Um, that said, I think it's, it's an indicator and, and we shouldn't write them off. They're, they're there for a reason. Um, but yeah, interpret them with, with caution. Um, use them to, to translate that sort of hypothesis into. 12 horse or paid races and then see if it, it continues. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, kind of use it as a, this is a good spot for a horse in a distance. Now whack it in 12s and see if you can flame again in 12s. Yeah. And look, you know, if, if you're, if you're ultra cautious, you know, continue to ride it out for the 10 races or so in those frees. And if it's finishing second and third a lot, it's not a great sign. You know, you, in, in a six-horse, you know, free race, if you've got a half-decent horse, you'll be winning them consistently or you'll be, mm. you know, sixth and flaming a lot. Um, and, and that's interesting, you know. Again, doesn't mean everything, but, you know, if you're in some weak fields and, and you're consistently running sixth and fifth with some flames, you know, that's a, a decent sign you might have picked up some variance. So, you know, again, like I say, it's um, 
it's a data point. It's interesting, but but only the start of of the story. And you say sort of what eight to ten races per distance. I reckon I've got a, Yeah, I mean, you go through my stable, you'll see a lot of horses that have probably raced 10, 10 races or less, um, which is in total, and that's not enough. Um, it, it's just about time and, you know, I'm probably riding horses off too early, um, particularly when you're when – you, it's probably – it probably matters more as you're breeding out exclusives and below because there is that chance you've hit a bit of a random distant preference from, from an ancestor. Um, whereas if I'm breeding a, a legendary, I know where those Genesis parents DP lies. So, yeah. you know, you're pretty much locked into DP pretty, pretty immediately. Um, and then it's more about understanding if it's got a good role and whether it's variance or stability, um, unless you get, occasionally you get a very random dp from two genesis parents i had one in in the last maiden two pure 2400 meter parents that's that horse now running at 1800 meters and flaming in paids and I, I still don't understand it um so occasionally that sort of thing happens but i think you should probably give horses more length in terms of number of races than i give them um so do do as I say, not as I do. I suppose. <laughs> Spoken like a great dad. Um, yeah. So you also touched upon a few kind of reminiscing back in the days, like free tournaments and and all those. I remember when I first started in Z, it was right when they removed free races with prize pools. Um, I remember watching a lot of videos where everyone was like, "This is great! This game, just jump in, wait for a free race." doesn't cost you anything, you might win money. I'm like, oh, that sounds fantastic. Um, and as soon as I started, they were gone, which was sad, but anyway. Um, and it seems a bit like that with the free tourneys now as well. Um, what do you think the tournament structure looks like going forward with Zed? Is this kind of, are we now looking forever into the future at this kind of maiden operation? Or do you think there's there's other things in the, in the offing that we just got to wait and see? Oh, look, I'm sure there are, there are things in the offing, but but I also think those previous structures, both the, the free um, races that you mentioned with prize pools, but even the free tournaments, like they weren't sustainable. You know, they, they were great for propping up an ecosystem that, that was struggling a bit, um, trying to retain users, build users, while they were building for this new meta that, that they've been working towards. But they couldn't just keep, funding those tournaments um, endlessly. So, you know, whilst it's, it's hard to accept and to everyone likes free money, um, you know, I think that we're, we're probably in a more sustainable direction now in terms of like where, where the game's heading with self-funded maidens. There's still a sizable treasury there and I think we'll see a rate come back pretty soon in some sort of a form. Um, and, and therefore that's going to build that. I don't think it's going to be the the same sort of tournaments in terms of weekly set prize pools and the like, but I do certainly hope that we'll see some sort of like flagship events, you know, the sort of C1 Premier type events. Um, you know, hopefully at, at some point in the future, they might even be, um, you know, supported through sponsorship and the like. So I, I certainly don't think we've seen the end of tournaments and we only have maidens. Um but I, I don't think it'll be as regular and as predictable as we had it. It'll be more sort of flagship events 
um, you know, maybe one week it's C4, one week it's another or, or something like that. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm generally comfortable with the direction that we're heading in, knowing that it's a more sustainable model for Zed. And ultimately, if Zed goes under, we all go under. So, Yeah, absolutely. It's sustainable is the key, right? Like it has to be self-sustainable as well. Um, yeah, but but what I what I do hope to see as well is is more, um, you know, community generated tournaments. Uh, so I I'm a firm believer that 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 is sort of the that is the future. Um, that the sorts of tournaments that that Dan Shan runs nearly daily, um, that um, Zed Racer ran back in the day with the the Zed Racer International, um, you know, mm-hmm. let the community innovate let them do that sort of stuff they can take their rake zed can take some sort of a rake from those um and and let you know provide that platform to to those innovators and those members of the community that want to run different um tournament formats because um you know i know i've had a hell of a lot of fun participating in different types of tournaments and working them out and the different strategies involved and you know it doesn't have to be a a zed run run tournament um to to be interesting and sustainable this is true um this is true indeed and i i love the the idea of custom racetracks like you run your tournaments in your your stadium so you could have a if you could buy an nft that was you know in the mcginnis coliseum or whatever um and then you could put on your own races, put on the next beat the beast in your own in your own stadium. Yeah, um, I would be very surprised if that's not on their roadmap. You know, it, it's obviously not an immediate priority. It's not part of you know what they're building towards now in terms of a sustainable ecosystem and meta, including aging and and stamina and, and all the rest of it. But I I do think it's there. Um, I think it makes sense for Zed to sort of be that central platform that, that runs it all and, and then have others that are that are plugging into APIs and, and sort of setting yeah, up those sure. races, you know, for themselves. That's um that's absolutely the future. As, yeah, yeah, as definitely. And like the the scale is that's that's massive scale at that point. Um and the, from what we've seen just in the community today, like that the community will run with this. This is you know, deputize all these people like Dan Chan. Um, like, you know, the Aura platform that's just popped up, that Aura NFT thing that they're trying as well. Um, and the, everyone out there, there's sort of gagging for this sort of stuff. So um, it will be f- fun times ahead, one hopes. Fun times ahead. I hope so. Um, <clears throat> so with this marketing campaign then, like have you, talking about onboarding for a second, have you started to think about onboarding people you know into the game or have you kind of you've had that you've tried that 12 18 months ago and we all got burnt <laughs> some of our <laughs> yeah. friends um yeah i tried it a little bit yeah um you know i've still got a joint stable with with my brother and and a cousin and you know we bought a few jennies and they sit there doing pretty much nothing except losing value um i, I did onboard one mate who's who still races and, and we chat zed daily um so that's one of the one of the few success stories, another mate who, who didn't stick around. 
So, you know, it's a different, it's a different game. It's a different financial opportunity than it, than it once was, you know, when we joined, Mm -hmm. you know, you you could breed a horse and and sell it instantly for four X, five X, the breed cost. You could even breed a horse, race it, realize it's a dud and sell it for more than the breed cost. Um, so, you know, that was just obviously not sustainable. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, there are some people that are still hoping for a return of, of those glory days that I think are, are long gone. You know, I'm not sure we're going to see another 100 ETH Breathless Edge sale. I, I think mm. it's, a, it's a different game. It's a different vision that, that, they're, that they're working towards, uh, one that is, that is bigger in scale, um, but maybe doesn't have the same huge upside that that maybe we all hoped was once there um and so with that understanding i think you know if i was to push into onboarding and bringing other people on it's probably with that understanding and those caveats and you know if if you if you're up for a game of discovery and breeding and and racing and you know breeding a horse for fifty dollars and you know making a hundred dollars out of it then you know this could be a game for you if, if you know, if you're into that sort of discovery and data and uh, and the like, but at least with where we are now and, and, and where I think they're heading, I don't think it's it's the get rich quick sort of yep. opportunity that, that maybe was there in breeding a diamonds and, you know, selling it for 10 ETH. Yeah, yeah. And again, like a lot of these scenarios, right, uh, they're – the unicorns are held up. The outliers are held up as, you know, there's a lot more of a lot more glue got bred and didn't sell for anything yeah. <laughs> than, yeah. than 10 ETH diamonds, which yeah. is, uh, so look, I mean, I'd, I'd be more than happy to onboard friends. Um, as long as you're just realistic with them in terms of what the game is and, and what it could be and, and the risks that are involved. But if, you know, I still, I still very much enjoy it. And so if, if if I think others will and, and I tell them exactly what's involved, then, hey, you know, why not? Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm still very much, um, yeah, hopelessly hooked on the game. Um, and it's a, I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just strangely compelling to be into it. Yeah, anyway. it's, not, it's not entirely rational. <laughs> anyway, look, mate, um, Anthony, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, uh, we're sort of approaching an hour. We're nearly at an hour, so um, we keep these. I like to keep them at about an hour. So, um, as I say to absolutely everyone uh, who comes onto the show, um, I'll see you on the track. See you there.